wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, please welcome at this time your hosts, Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau. You're listening to the next era of wrestling radio. This is Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, December 14th, 2023. I am Graham G. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. Let's get right into it. We got an interview here today with WWE NXT star Trick Williams. This was recorded two weeks ago, went up last week on the YouTube channel and an article form over at DailyDDT.com right before deadline last Saturday. The Iron Survivor Challenge winner himself for the men, Trick Williams. He's got a lot to say about deadline and the opportunity that lied ahead of him at that point going into the matchup uh, this past weekend. His time so far in NXT, learning from Ilya Dragunov in the matches there, his career-altering conversation with NXT head Shawn Michaels, and so much more. After that, bringing on in Mr. Marceau to discuss Raw and Dynamite from this past week, as well as our on-site report from SmackDown last Friday. Before then, though, new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single week, every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. And now, without further ado, my exclusive interview with WWE NXT superstar, Trick Williams. Graham Jesus and Matthews here with BleachReport.com and fans out ahead of WWE NXT deadline coming up next Saturday, December 9th in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We're talking to one of the members in the Iron Survivor Challenge men's matchup, Trick Williams. Trick, what's going on, man? Thanks for taking the time. That's right. Straight out of South CAG. I don't know how to act. Trick Willie is back, and I'm here with Graham. I'm happy to be here, man. Trick, thanks for taking the time, man. I'm looking forward to this matchup. I'm looking forward to your involvement in the matchup, especially coming off of the last couple months that you've been riding this wave of momentum, NXT North American champion, going into this matchup where the winner earns an NXT championship opportunity. But not obviously not just you. As of right now, we got Braun Breaker in there. We got Dijak. We got Josh Briggs. Talk to me about your expectations for this matchup, being in it, and just matching up against these other guys that you've had experience with and some other guys that you haven't had experience with. Man, there's there's a lot of muscle in this match, man. Uh, usually I'm the bigger guy, but in this match, man, I might be the lightest so far. But man, I'm in there with some studs, man. Some some great athletes, some guys with great experience. So man, I'm excited. You know, we all get uh, get in there, compete. I'm looking forward to it. And you just look at the matches you've had in the last couple months alone with Ilya Dragunov, Dominic Mysterio, the back-to-back matches you've had with him, uh, Braun Breaker many months ago as well, obviously going to be in this matchup as well. Do you feel like with every outing that you have in NXT the last couple of months, and even obviously just even before that debuting back two years ago, which is crazy to think it's been that long, but like continuing to learn, pick something up, and just learning more and more as you go? Oh, definitely, man. Man, the whoop that trick rise has been meteoric, man, like, I will honestly say since I, you know, went to Shawn Michaels' office and told him I want to be a guy, you know, I want to show what I can do on my own. 
um, man, it's really taken off from there, you know. So, yeah, every single win, every single loss is all built uh, me to be where I am now. So, yeah. I mean, he said just that on the most recent conference call going into No Mercy, I think a couple months ago. He specifically praised you, obviously has praised for the entire roster, but specifically for you, Trick, and saying that you really went to him and said, I want to be a guy that you build a brand around that can succeed, you know, that sort of stuff. What was his response to you that kind of gave you confidence that this is something that you can kind of rise up to as far as being the top of NXT? Oh, man, like it was it was an experience, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I walked in his office and my mind made up and he looked at me and said, a lot of guys say this, but not many guys can or have delivered. So don't ask for something that you're not ready for. Mm -hmm. And I remember that he said it with a straight face, you know, and, you know, he said, you know, we'll see. And then he gave me opportunities. And so far I feel like things are going pretty well, but, uh, oh man, he's a straight shooter. Mm -hmm. And he tells you uh, if you're performing and if you're not. So, yeah, you know, it was one of those moments that uh, I took a chance on myself and um, he gave me a chance. So I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah. Like what was that first opportunity that he threw your way that you really, I mean, obviously been making the most of every opportunity you've had so far, but was it the Dragunov match or was it even before that? I believe it was the Dragunov match. Um, I do believe it was the Dragunov match and something happened where I feel like Dragunov was going to work someone else. Mm-hmm. But that's just how the chips fell. You know, I was the I was the guy up and ready. Yep. And I would say that match right there with Dragunov, man, he's a special guy because he brings out the best out of everybody he's working with. So, I mean, just a multitude of things coming together at the right place, right time. And, uh, yeah, that match right there, I would definitely say with my breakout performances, Trick Williams is for real. He's the real deal. You know, oh, no, here. definitely, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. just an excellent match and the performance you had in that match. Even Defeat really showcased he was a future star. And not soon after, obviously, not coincidentally, going on to win the NXT North American Championship in a match. We didn't even know what was happening until days before the show. And then you right. go on to win the championship, <laughs> lose it days later. Talk about the kind of roller coaster of emotions and finding out you're in that match <laughs> and then losing the title a couple of days later. I'm sure that was uh, just a roller coaster. Man, I ain't gonna lie to you, Graham. That's the best three days of my life. <laughs> right, like the resurrection, man. I went to Raw and, uh, you know, I cut a promo on Raw that Monday. And that Tuesday, uh, you know, Dom got his rematch. And he it took the whole judgment day to take me out. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I never got to my rematch on that because, you know, I set my eyes on the NSD title. But, man, that first time tasting gold, you know, holding gold. You know, it puts another hunger in you that you never felt before. If you thought you was hungry before you ever uh, touched gold, man, once you had it and then you lost it, oh, man, that's a whole other monster right there. So I'm locked in. Now you just got to get the belt back, obviously, from winning Iron Survivor Challenge. It affords you that opportunity, of course. But, you know, kind of going back to what you said about being raw that Monday and there was a pretty positive reaction to you in, in front of that crowd. Now, the crowd doesn't always know the NXT stars, but you were one of those people they gave a great reaction to when you popped up. And also not just there, but on main event as well. Um, I was at one of the tapings, I think, in Providence earlier this year where you were on main event. Yeah, yeah, you had a great showing on that show. And then the difference between that match and then months later popping up on main event, again in front of the main roster crowd, getting a much bigger reaction that time the yeah. crowd knows who you are. Just talk about that night and day reaction and that experience for you. Oh, man, that's just, man, that's what I love about this business, man. The people let you know how they feel. You know, you get the instant 
you know, instant feedback to, hey, you've been putting work in or you haven't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wasn't sure how the people were going to react once I went to the raw audience, you know. But, uh, I mean, that was awesome. Even going to that No Mercy, that was my first time performing at a PLE. Yeah. So, you know, inside our NXT uh, auditorium, uh, you know, the people love Whoop That Trick, which is awesome. But No Mercy, you know, we all the way out in California. And, you know, Whoop That Trick was even stronger. That was eye-opening. Like, okay, we got something here, yeah. you know. Just keep a head down and work. So, man, I love it, man. Like, every, it's a dream come true. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, the reaction has been noticeable. I mean, you talk about the reaction you got on that show. Booker T singing along to it on commentary. I feel like it's just a complete package and just really adds yeah. to the aura about it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Not only that, but your interactions with, you know, John Cena on that episode of NXT about a month ago. Has there been any, obviously, aside from Shawn Michaels, as you mentioned, but any one interaction with a guy like a Booker T or a John Cena or anyone that you were able to kind of pick advice from that has really stuck with you in the last uh, couple of weeks or a couple of months, rather? Man, I would definitely say Booker T is that guy for me. Like, I probably check in with Booker weekly, you know. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we watch film, you know, we talk business, we talk wrestling, we talk how to carry yourself, you know, on TV, you know, backstage, everything. You know, he's a great mind to pick from. And uh, I mean, he's definitely just take a liking on to me. And, I'm, you know, I appreciate that. But he's a good dude, man. That's a good dude. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Shawn Michaels, of course. Um, I try to talk to him and, you know, pick as much knowledge from him as I can. But those are two probably the main guys. And my and my coach, uh, Terry Taylor. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you know that. But that's my, uh, that's my ring coach. So, you know, three goats right there that I get to choose, um, you know, pick up info from so yeah those are three people to have three great people to have in your corner for sure and just last question kind of going off of this you know newfound success as a singles competitor just talking about dealing with the pressure because i feel like sometimes when you can go from one level to another some people have that imposter syndrome not saying that you have that specifically but just kind of talking about especially with how quickly it's kind of come together in the last couple of months from being you know just a character on the show to now being one of the focal points in nxt just talk about how you're dealing with that pressure so far personally Man, I can't remember who the artist said. I think it was Jay-Z. But he said, it took my whole life to blow up overnight. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what I feel because, you know, it's new to everybody else. But if anybody knows me and real me, they know I've been grinding for a long time. You know, even if it was in different ways, like, you know, I look the way I look. My mindset is the way it is. Because man, I've been working for a long time. I'm not, and I'm not arrogant enough to say that I deserve this, but you know, I am confident enough to say I worked for this. So mm -hmm. that's why I can handle it. I'm ready for it. You know, this is what I was made to do. You know, so yeah. <laughs> Listen, man, I agree. I think this is only the beginning, not just what we're seeing right now in NXT. I think the NXT championship is inevitable. If you can come out on top in that Iron Survivor challenge and then on to bigger and better things, I think, of course, on the main roster before long, not to rush anything, but I think that's definitely in your future just from a fan standpoint as we look ahead to the future. But in the meantime, though, we do got a deadline coming up next week in Bridgeport, uh, December 9th. I'm looking forward to it airing on Peacock. Trick, thanks so much for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. This was great. Hey, Graham, you the man. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Take care and best of luck on Saturday. No doubt. Big thanks to Trick for the time. As I mentioned earlier, you can check out the article version of that interview over at DailyDDT.com and the video version of that interview right now over at YouTube.com backslash WrestleRant. 
Both went live before a deadline last weekend, so enjoy those as well. Now we throw it to my conversation with Mr. Marcel, breaking down Raw and Dynamite from this past week. But we got the 2023 WWE AEW Year in Review Awards going on right now. 11th Annual over at WrestleRant.com. Check them out. Vote right now. I know you already have, Mr. Marceau, but I can't wait to break down and review the results with you in two weeks' time. I can't wait. I've voted like six times on different VPNs, so my votes are all going on. <laughs> Stop the vote. Um, we gotta we gotta stop stuffing the ballots here. They might be a bit skewed, but listen, now I'm gonna crack down on that and make sure that's not the case. But that's that's in two weeks. We gotta talk a little bit about what's happened this past week. Uh, not a lot of news, but I feel like that's just opening up the floodgates for what might happen after we're done recording here, per, uh, per usual, uh, with Raw and Dynamite. Winter is coming happy this past week, but we gotta kind of rewind a little bit further beyond that. SmackDown last Friday, I thought was a very good show. Uh, we were there for it in Providence, and it was a fun time sitting ringside for a uh, an electric episode of SmackDown. CM Punk was there, or Knight versus the Bloodline, among other stuff, a tribute to the Troops edition of the show. Before we go any further, Mr. Marceau, how was your experience at SmackDown, getting the picture with Cody, died at that one, and uh, just talk me through SmackDown last Friday. That was a good show. I wish I saw more EO and Kyrie. I mean, they got fucking jumped right in front of us. I was like, what the fuck? I was kind of pissed about that, but uh, overall, like I said, I thought it was a good show, and I had a good time. Yeah, I mean, the women's match kind of got cut short pretty fairly quickly. Charlotte Flair versus Asuka, seen it once, seen it a million times. Um, up until Charlotte Flair's injury, just to mention that real quick. There is no update on that, which is not a good sign. I feel like we would have known by now if it, was, uh, if it wasn't that serious. We probably would have found out, but I think they're still evaluating. And that was a week ago. I mean, we were there for it. Um, we saw the botch when she fell off the top rope. It did not look good. Looked like she landed directly on her neck, but she was saying my knee. He said that she might have said something about her neck. So she might be pretty banged up. Uh, she might not be around for WrestleMania. So, you know, here's best wishing her for her recovery. And hopefully she is back at some point soon. I thought they might have been setting up a match with her and Bianca uh, for WrestleMania, which could still be the case with Mania being four months away. It's not exactly looking encouraging as of right now. I feel like she will probably be out for a while, but hopefully she's not out for too long. Um, that being said, also on SmackDown on Friday, we had a lot of you know, punk talk with him dropping the AEW reference in his promo. He was on NXT the next night as well, and on Raw, and all this other sort of stuff, uh, teasing what brand am I going to? He appeared on three WWE shows consecutively within a three-day span between SmackDown on Friday, NXT Deadline on Saturday, and Raw on Monday night. Ultimately, obviously, deciding to sign with the bread brand, with, with the red brand in Monday night. More on him in a second, because um, we saw him interact with Seth Rollins, kind of planting the seeds for the future WrestleMania match for the World Heavyweight Championship. But I do want to mention this real quick, because there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks, not just this past week, of where Raw's going to be ending up. Like, is it going to Amazon? Is it going to Disney or whatever? Um, staying on USA, which is probably unlikely. They're looking for a major increase for Raw's media rights. <clears throat> and one of the potential suitors is Warner Brothers, interestingly enough. Apparently, Punk has played a significant factor in getting WWE in the good graces of Warner Brothers with the relationship that he already had with the officials over there from his time in AEW. And now the word is coming out of, I think, The Observer earlier today, I believe, is that Punk kind of opened the door for those talks to happen with Triple H, Nick Khan, and the potential suitors at WBD. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. I don't think they go to Warner Brothers, but this could be shaping up to be another wild-ass year in 2024 if they do indeed go in that direction. I'm going to say no, but at the rate that we're going with how many people we've seen switch sides and all the stuff that we've seen happen in the past 12 months, I can't say anything completely is out of the realm of possibility. 
Yeah, who knows? I mean, I saw the report this morning that you said that, that Nikon and uh, Triple H were talking with Warner Brothers Discovery. I mean, seems like they have interest there. I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, I'm interested to see. I think, like you said, I don't, if it was, I would say gun the head, I'd probably would say no. I don't think they'd go there, but uh, I mean, I'm definitely interested. Could you see a scenario where both Raw and Dynamite are airing on TBS or a TNT in any given week? I mean, I'm just not sure how that would even work. And I'm not even sure if that's a good thing either. I think you want your wrestling spread out so it's not just one media conglomerate monopoly with just one channel. Uh, I'm not sure, because I doubt they would want to work with each other. That's why I just highly doubt, unless they're offering an, an obscene amount of money. And I'm not sure why Warner would want more wrestling on their network. I mean, maybe they just want to be the wrestling channel. I don't know. But they already have Dynamite, Collision, uh, Rampage on Friday nights. I'm not even really sure. I mean, I guess SmackDown airs on Fridays or it could move to Tuesdays. But that's not on Warner Brothers. That's going to be on... Uh, where is... Oh, my God. That's moving to USA. I, I totally blanked for a second. But that's moving to USA next uh, next October. And NXT is moving to CW. So the Raw one is the last one to be announced. It's a possibility, but the fact that Punk is already paying dividends for WWE has worked out tremendously for them. Like I said, he was at NXT Deadline on Saturday. He was on Raw on Monday as well. But apparently on his own dime, he flew from Raw to Orlando on Tuesday. He was not scheduled to be on NXT. He was not on NXT on Tuesday. He did not appear on the program. But he was backstage helping out talent and bestowing advice and working with them and stuff like that. We saw the picture with her, of him with uh, Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez yesterday. He's obviously close with them, given the AJ Lee connection and whatnot. But it seems like, and the word is, is that at some point, not anytime soon, that he might want to succeed Shawn Michaels as the head of NXT, um, working with the younger talent. Now, this is obviously how it starts. We heard the same reports and stuff when he first went to AEW, when he first came back earlier this year, and then it kind of just went completely out of control. But this is an encouraging sign that he is on his best behavior so far, being back in WWE. No, yeah, I think, like you said, I saw the picture. It seems like he's going down there helping the, the young talent. I think it's good to see, and hopefully he keeps it up. Yeah, uh, like I said, he appeared at Deadline on Saturday night, just to get that out of the way quickly. What were your thoughts on that show? I, I personally, even being there live, I did not think it was one of their better live specials they've done in 2023. We were at Battleground, and that was a great time. This wasn't a bad time. It was a fun show, but I thought the other shows were slightly stronger. Uh, the, the men's and women's Iron Survivor meet, uh, uh, challenges, those matches, I thought were very good. Those were the highlights of the night, some other good action along the way. But what were your two cents in the show overall? I thought it was a solid show. Like you said, I don't think it was the greatest they've had all year, but I thought like overall it was a good show. Main event, Ilya Dragunov retaining the NXT Championship against Baron Corbin. Core Jade returning earlier in the night. CM Punk making an appearance, as I mentioned. What were your thoughts on the Iron Survivor challenges in particular? Like I said, I thought those were the best parts of the show. And that Trick Williams moment, as ridiculous as it was, that he got four pinfalls in the span of 90 seconds was like peak pro wrestling right there because people went nuts for the guy. And honestly, it's shaping up looking like he might be one of the biggest breakout stars to ever come out of NXT, at least in recent years, with the way that he's kind of progressing right now. So for me, like, I literally thought that was like the stupidest shit ever. Okay. Like, the, I mean, like, I just feel like, like you said, like, it just literally came out of nowhere. It's like he had no chance of winning. Like, I listed them all. I said, guarantee he still wins. It's like there's no chance. And literally he just got, like they like said, as many pinfalls as he did in that amount of time, and then he won. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like there's a there's a point to like I'm trying to think the words. Like there's a point that you can like get lost in it and like lose disbelief. But like that was so in your face. Like this is gonna happen, and it did. I'm just like, who gives a shit? 
Uh, so, like, yeah. I just feel like it was too dramatic. Like, it was so over the top that it was just like, to me, I'm like, why? Yeah, I mean, for this one instance, I would excuse it for the sole fact that we have never seen anything like this before. It was completely ridiculous, and it was so illogical that that would even happen. I mean, I would agree with that, but it is also smart in the sense that when you pin someone, they're eliminated. So it's not like after he pinned Tyler Bate, that Bate could get back up and then break up this other pinfall that he's making against this other person, because he was eliminated at that point. So it was kind of like eliminating each of these people so they couldn't come back in and you know, stop Trick Williams or whatever. It was it was totally over the top, but the only reason I defend it is because it worked, and it was easily the most over thing on the entire show. And it got... I mean, he was already over when he first walked out, but he was that much more over. When that match was over, people were chanting, whoop that trick, and I just feel weird saying that as a white guy. Just <laughs> randomly, there were people that were starting that chant, leaving the arena, like these random white guys. I'm like, that's a little cringy. But, you know, it was cool to hear people chanting as we left the arena on, on Saturday. He's very over, um, and he does feel like the next breakout star coming out of this brand. I think all signs are still pointing towards uh, him being the guy to uh, kind of break out and, and be their next star, the next star they build a brand around. And Carmelo Hayes being the one who attacked him a couple of months ago. That reveal is definitely coming in the next couple of weeks. Probably him being the one to cost, uh, trick the NXT Championship when he faces Dragon off in a couple of weeks in New Year's Evil. No, I definitely believe that. Like I said, he's definitely over. So like I said, it was definitely the most over thing on the show. Uh, I just felt like it was pretty illogical. But like I said, I also figured he was going to win. So even though when he was down 4-0, I'm like, he's still coming back to win. Like, I don't know. I just feel like he was such a favorite, too. It, it, it just wasn't as, like, I don't know. I felt like he was winning the entire time. So even though he was down, like, there's somehow he's going to win this. It's funny, like, you say, like, it's funny you say that because I'm an absolute idiot and I did not think that. I mean, I thought he was winning. Did I? Did I pick him to win? Yeah, last we both week? said he was going to win. Okay, so I think we picked him to win, but at that point, he was down so many points, I thought there was no chance. I'm an idiot, I'm a mark. I'm like, there's no way he's going to win. Oh, he picked up one. Oh, he picked up two. Oh, he picked up three. Because I didn't think they would actually do that. Um, I didn't think he would actually battle back, and then, then I was excited. <laughs> I was excited when he did. Um, but yeah, no, I can understand the predictability of it kind of hurting the outcome. It was funny, too, because another part of what hurt the show in that match and in the, in the women's cage match as well is when people show up. I mean, a lot of these people on the show, the people in, a, in attendance, I'm sure they follow NXT to a certain degree, but I'm sure they're not familiar with a lot of these people. A lot of these people did not get great reactions, like the Women's Iron Survivor Challenge match. Uh, a lot of those women were not over to start, but they ended up getting good reactions as the match went on. And people just see WWE's in town and they'll go, so I get it. And they also blocked off a couple of sections behind the, art, behind the hard camera, too. It was not a total sellout. Uh, but for an NXT show at this stage, and NXT's being a better, it's, it's a better brand, uh, but even at this stage, it's still not surprising to see that being the case. It was certainly not the same crowd that was in attendance for the TakeOver 25 show four years ago when we were there. Um, but what was they saying? Oh, so like when Eddie Thorpe showed up and Izzy Dame, like complete silence. No one knew, even, especially <laughs> Izzy Dame. Eddie Thorpe, I knew it was him because I watched the show and I knew he and Dijak were feuding. Most people had no idea. They actually booed the guy because they were hoping Dijak would win. Dijak was kind of over with this audience. I legitimately, I watched Level Up. She's on that show. I did not know that was Izzy Dame. I mean, she's never on NXT TV. <clears throat> I just saw her from the back and I just saw the blonde hair. Some people thought it was Tiffany Stratton. I thought it I was. I thought it was Tiffany Stratton, not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had that other woman, uh, Carmen Petrovic, I believe her name is. She's also on Level Up, but she's appeared on NXT TV in recent weeks. The uh, Russian, like, MMA fighter, yep. blah, blah, blah. What'd you say? 
I said you said the Russian fighter. I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Her. I thought it was her. I thought it was her, and it wasn't. It was. I did not find out until people told me on Twitter that it was uh, the Izzy Dame individual, who I am familiar with from the other show, but she's never on NXT TV, and it just fell on deaf ears, and that was not the best cage match anyway. I just, Kiana James is all right. She's just, I don't know. I just don't really see it with her. Um, Roxanne Perez is obviously established. She's fine. She'll be okay, win, lose, or draw. They wanted to get over Kiana James. I just, I don't really see it. I think she's okay at best, and the character sucks. So that's just me. But I enjoyed the show overall, and we'll see uh, how they kind of shape up New Year's Evil <clears throat> in a couple of weeks at the beginning of January. You're doing Trick Williams versus uh, uh, Ilya on that show for the NXT Championship, and Blair Davenport challenging for the NXT Women's Championship against Lyra Valkyria. Now, I like the fact that Davenport won. They um, <clears throat> immediately overshadowed Davenport's victory by having Cora Jade come out and immediately just lay out Lyra, making it pretty clear that um, she is also Odich. I mean, she was the one who pinned Lyra in tag team action on Tuesday night, sending the message that Blair's kind of an afterthought and that the championship is probably coming to Cora Jade at some point in the not-too-distant future. No, yeah, I mean, like I said, she laid out Lyra and she pinned her on NXT. It's like, I mean, I guess Downpour might be the... Maybe it's like maybe a right herring, we, like we're thinking it's going that way, and Downpour wins. I don't think so. Um, but, I mean, I think Lyra will hold the belt until she loses the Cora at this point. It's been long enough as well. I will give her a fresh slate. I'll, I'll just tell you right here, right now, to make it, you know, obvious, to just kind of put it on the record. Nikita Lyons being back, I'll give her a fresh opportunity to impress me. She did nothing for me whatsoever when she was last in NXT before she got hurt. Her being back now, I'm going to give her a chance to win me over, and we'll see what happens. Not that my opinion really matters at all, but I'm just saying as far as, like, I did not give a shit about Nikita Lyons a year ago, and I still don't, but, like, I'm willing to give it a chance. Like, okay, she's been gone for a while. This crowd obviously likes her for reasons. Um, We'll see how this goes, because so far, I mean, what we've seen from her in NXT last year... She didn't really do anything to make me think, okay, she's the future of this division. Because she just wasn't that good, I don't think. But, you know, maybe she'll impress me this time around. Who knows? No, yeah, I mean, I was never a big fan of her. I feel like the crowd, like, over, I don't know. Like I said, they have their reasons for liking her, and I just don't think it's a good enough reason. She's not that good in the ring the last time she was here. I mean, give her another chance, but I, I don't really see the future in her. I, like I said, I don't, but maybe she'll, uh, you know, maybe she'll improve. And like Lash Legend, for example, I thought she had a, to give her credit. I've never been the biggest Lash Legend fan. I just don't think she's that good. We said as much here on the show when we were previewing Deadline last week. But in the span of like seven or eight days, she went from body slamming Otis to then having an impressive showing in that Women's Iron Survivor Challenge match to then having a good showing in NXT this past week in that uh, intergender tag team match. So, you know, maybe there is something with Lash overall, and it just takes people a lot longer than it, you know, probably should to get better. But I guess better late than never. So maybe Nikita Lyons will follow in her footsteps and also improve at a rather, you know, not rapid rate, but improve over time. So I'll give her a chance. Um, That being said, moving to Raw on Monday night, CM Punk was kind of the focal point of the show, and we have to talk about this first. Him officially putting pen to paper with the red brand, signing with the Raw roster, but that was not the big talking point of the show. I mean, that was pretty obvious. Seth Rollins coming out to confront Punk, calling him a fraud, saying this is not your home, it's my home, you've talked trash about this place in the 10 years you've been gone since you abandoned this place in this building 10 years ago. 
I've taken over. I'm the man. And I would love nothing more than to be in the ring with you to prove to you why I'm the best in the world with this World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Um, I thought this was great stuff. And as someone who's a big Rollins fan and yourself, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, especially considering that he was not in the goofy-go-lucky mood with the dumb dancing. I mean, he comes out with the music every week, which is what it is. Um, but you had the dueling singing of the song from the crowd and CM Punk chants, which was cool. But Rollins was in full-on serious mode, and it made for one of the best segments on the show from a pure talking standpoint in quite some time. No, I really liked the segment. I never thought, I mean, I think once Orton signed with SmackDown, I think it was kind of set in stone that, that Punk was going to Raw, so there's like little interactions that he had with Rollins. It kind of made sense there, but no, I like this. Like you said, kind of calling out Punk for being a fraud. Like I'm home. Like you've been trashing this place since he left. Like just like that's like you said. It's like telling the truth. I mean, there's no lies detected in this uh, in this promo. Um, but I, I really liked, like they said more of a serious Rollins. Like he did have a fucking goofy ass suit on, but like at least he wasn't doing the laugh and the dance and all that stupid shit. So I, I liked it a lot. I didn't honestly think we would get this interaction so soon. I mean, we're only in December, and WrestleMania is not for another four months. I mean, I think they just kind of want to whet the appetite of people that want to see this matchup. And they made it clear here as well, which I forgot to mention, Punk announcing at the end of the segment, not only is he on the Raw roster now, but he's also entering the Royal Rumble, joining Cody Rhodes as an entrant in the 2024 Men's Royal Rumble matchup. Does this make it obvious that he's winning, or at this point, after that interaction... I mean, they had no interaction prior to that point, although Rollins was planting the seeds for the future feud by making comments about Punk and other promos elsewhere on the show. But I feel like after that promo, you can now not do that match going into WrestleMania. Probably, I mean, I think to me it has to be for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I think it's going to be for the title. I don't think he has to win. So, I, I mean, I th- obviously think him and Cody are obviously the like favorites to win. Um, but I think Cody could win again, or like I feel, I feel like the seeds are planted. Um, maybe they do something out, Elimination Chamber, like a win to get in, and it happens to be Punk. I don't know. I don't think he needs the win to get the belt, but I mean, I would say him and Cody are the clear on favorites. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he needs to win either. I'm might be the exception here, but I feel like I would not be upset if it was Cody Rhodes. If it was someone else entirely, depending on who it is, I might be okay with it as well. Cody and Punk have got to be the top two favorites. But the problem here, though, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are, because I'm sure we've discussed this, but maybe your mind has changed. If Cody does win, and now we have Punk as... Because as, if Cody had won originally without Punk being there, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't want to see it because they don't like repeat winners, but they might accept it because there's not a lot of other logical winners for the Rumble. And I even said that. I mean, I even said before Punk came back that Cody Rhodes does not have to win the Rumble for a second time. We have two world championships now. You can have someone else win the Rumble and then go after the other championship, and then Cody Rhodes can find some other way to WrestleMania. What that is, I know you've asked me before. I have no idea. That's for them to figure out. Um, I don't know if he just goes to SmackDown and challenges Roman, or I hope he doesn't put his career on the line. I mean, that would just be silly. Something along those lines, though, (laughs) to kind of make it feel like there's some stakes there without having him win the Rumble. Where do you fall, Mr. Marceau, as someone where would you be not upset because it's not like you're sitting there with all your punk merch on hoping that punk was going to win but like do you care if we get a repeat winner or would you just rather are you one of those people that always wants a fresh face to win the rumble i think i don't mind repeat winner just has to make sense Mm -hmm. like i guess like you said i'd rather cody win again and that's how he gets back to roman like you said like oh i'm put my career on the line or some stupid i'll never fight for a world heavyweight championship again if i lose like that's stupid shit so I, 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 if 
if he won again just to get him back to Roman and make it logical, then I'm fine with it. I mean, like you said, though, couldn't he just do what you said that Punk could do and win the Elimination Chamber match if they do one to crown a number one contender for that championship? He could. I mean, I've seen people say that maybe they put people that Roman has wronged over the past year and the bloodline, you know, have cost opportunities for people like, you know, Drew and Jay and other people like that. Maybe Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes finds his way in there. Those are all raw people going for a SmackDown championship, so that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Maybe LA Knight's in there as well, and maybe he wins that, and that's how he works his way to WrestleMania for the championship. Um, I feel like Punk just kind of makes more sense. I don't know... You can have Punk win in the Elimination Chamber match as well. And I also don't think Punk needs to walk out of WrestleMania, the World Heavyweight Champion. And I've seen a lot of people say, oh, it would be typical Triple H, and it would be the equivalent of Triple H beating Sting in WrestleMania 31 if Rollins were to go in there and beat Punk. I mean, I think that's a pretty dumb comparison because Sting had no reason to lose that match. It was his debut in WWE. I know this is Punk's return to WrestleMania, but, dude, I mean, he's way more active than Sting. I think if Punk goes in there and loses, honestly, it's probably for the better because it sends the message that you can't go away and trash the company for 10 years and then come back and expect to win a championship. Uh, the Sting thing was totally different. So I can't even say it's a guarantee that if Punk goes into WrestleMania that he would win the world championship. To me, him just headlining WrestleMania for night one would be enough. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Like I said, I don't think he needs to win. I mean, I've seen people saying, like, oh, if he doesn't win, he's going to get buried. Like, I mean... Relax, people. He'll be fine. Do you think they have a dilemma, though, when they have Cody and Punk interacting the way that they did on SmackDown, both declaring for the Royal Rumble, and then I don't know if it comes down to them specifically. I don't know if they would do that. Because I feel like if you have it come down to Cody and Punk, now, it would make for the most unpredictable outcome. If it was like Punk and Gunther or Punk and Drew, you, you probably figure Drew's not winning. I could see them doing that, though, because they don't want the other person who doesn't win getting booed. Like, I mean, if Drew's a heel, then whatever. But, like, if it's Cody and Punk, if Cody wins and he throws out Punk, he might get booed. Maybe not by the vocal majority of the audience, but he might get some boos, and I don't know if they want to run that risk. Are you worried about that at all as far as, like, the crowd turning on one guy over the other? But I feel like, for example, I feel like what they did with Sami Zayn earlier this year, like, he wasn't even in the Rumble. I mean, these guys are in the Rumble, but, like, everyone wanted Sami Zayn to win the Rumble and go on to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. That was never going to fucking happen. That was never happening. But they did a great job of kind of weaving their way around that and making sure Cody did not get booed because Sami Zayn did not win the Rumble or did not win the championship at Elimination Chamber. And I'm hoping we kind of see something similar going into this year's WrestleMania where if they're both going to be babyfaces, Cody and Punk, I don't want one to get booed because that person did not win, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you do something like what they did with Brian a couple, like when he didn't win. Like you have one of them get eliminated early on, so you know that they're out. Well, not too early on. I mean, Daniel Danielson getting eliminated like a, what, ten minutes in or whatever in 2015 was just not was not good at all. It might it would have to make sense depending on what it is. Yeah, I just don't. Th- like you said, I wouldn't leave them to the end because like you said I feel like it was them in the end. People would boo someone and they would be passed. Especially if Cody won, I felt like. I feel like if Punk wins and he throws Cody's and he throws Cody out, if he gets boot, not over, I mean, it wouldn't be Batista level heat from 2014. But if he were to get some boos, I feel like it would make sense because I'm curious what you think the end game is here for like the whole Rollins and Punk thing as far as where they're going with it. We know the match is what they're building to with Punk and Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. To me, though, I mean, I think you could do, not before WrestleMania, but you could do a scenario and book a scenario 
where Punk turns heel in the match or coming out of the match if they continue the feud. And Rollins, I would assume, would take time off, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but you could do a situation where Punk goes heel. And you, you prove that everything that Rollins has said about him has been right. Or you can go the opposite direction and turn Rollins heel, kind of like the Jericho... Uh, Shawn Michaels thing from 2008 where Jericho was right all along about Shawn Michaels, but he turned heel and he was booed because he was right and he didn't... It was the way that he went about things. A lot like Drew. Like, Drew is right in everything that he says currently on Raw, but the way that he goes about things is what makes him a heel. Uh, where do you think the storyline is going between those two a couple months out? Um, it's interesting. I feel like there are a lot of scenarios. Like I said, I feel like Rollins could go heel or... I feel like either guy could go heel, so I'm interested to see where they go. I mean, I want Rollins to ditch the whole freaking thing, so I'm kind of hoping he goes heel so we can move away from that. Um, but like I said, I feel like Punk could also go heel as well. Like I said, like, Rollins, everything he said is true, so then it kind of turns him heel. Yeah, I mean, you could do a situation where Rollins is still a babyface, but he ditches the freaking, the freaking thing. I mean, we thought that months ago with the Balor feud, the Nakamura feud what he's been doing lately. I mean, I, I, I thought there were several opportunities, the, the Logan Paul feud, where he could ditch the freaking thing and then move forward with his character and be more serious on a consistent basis. But it seems like every time he gets serious, he goes right back to doing the goofy thing the very next week, right after he wins, which I fucking hate because it's just, it's just annoying. I mean, I think the mic work is great. When Rollins is motivated and he can go in there and just have a great segment like this and really, I'm not saying he, he's going to have unscripted promos all the time, but, like, the goofy, he had the goofy jacket on on Monday. But it wasn't that egregious compared to some of the stuff he's worn. Like, the lingerie in recent months in the past year. Um, he can go in there and cut a, cut, a, cut a killer promo, excuse me. So I feel like we could see more of that on the road to WrestleMania if they really play their cards right. But let me throw this at you. We talked about it last week. We still have no update on this. There was only preliminary talks of this happening. But between now and January, February, who knows... What if something changes? Because we didn't find out about this person wrestling at WrestleMania the last time until, like, February. If Steve Austin says, I want to work WrestleMania 40, we might not know now. We might not know next month. We might not know until February. Do you think that is worth throwing away Punk and Rollins to do Punk and Austin, which is a bigger attraction? It is. And I mean, whatever Punk is doing will be the main event of WrestleMania. I don't really think there's much debate about that. Night one, anyway. Obviously not night two, if they're doing Cody and Roman. Whatever Roman is doing is the main event of night two. Um, would you just throw Punk and Rollins away and save that for another time and do Rollins versus someone else instead? Or do you stay the course even if Austin says he does want to come back and work with CM Punk? Or do you just say, listen, buddy, it's not going to be at Mania and it's going to be maybe at SummerSlam or you're going to have to wait until next year because we're not doing it this year. I just feel like they're already setting the stakes for this year, so I feel like it would be weird if they veered off. Like, I feel like they're already playing the seats, so if they just veered off at the face Austin, like, I don't know. I feel like it's like, it's at this point, it's like they, that's their plan. I mean, they could change. Yeah, but at, I, I feel like, though, how are you going to veer off and, oh, no, Steve Austin's back. Is it a face punk? Like, I don't know. I feel like what they did on Raw, like, that's pretty much like, that's what we're getting. I, I wouldn't veer off of it. I think it's what we're getting until it's not what we're getting when Steve Austin... I'm not saying this is happening, but I'm just saying if Steve Austin woke up tomorrow and said, Hey, Triple H, I would like to come back and work with... Co or not Cody, work with... I'm looking at a picture of Cody right now, that's why. I want to come back and work with CM Punk. Triple H says, Oh, yeah, sure, pal. I mean, what am I, Vince now? He says, Oh, yeah, no, come on back, and uh, that sounds good. We'll just hold off on Rollins for another time. I don't know. I know that would be the bigger match, but I'm not... Not that you can't... I mean, they could do whatever they want. But I just feel like... 
I feel like they did that segment on Monday to make it clear that we're not going to deviate from this direction regardless of what happens. I feel like if Steve Austin does come back, I don't know what else he does if he's not facing Punk, to be honest. I mean, I've said stuff like with him and LA Knight before, but Knight's a babyface now, so probably not. I mean, whatever Steve Austin does, it would have to be like an advertised match, unlike last time where it was like not even known until the bell rang that night. Um, but it probably won't be with Punk, because Punk has other plans, and I think Punk should be in the main event of Night 1 with Rollins. And honestly, it's also fair to Rollins, too, for the great year that he's had. Say what you will about the character, but he's had a great past year as the World Heavyweight Champion. I think he deserves this main event just as much as uh, CM Punk does. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said, I feel like at this point that's where they're going with. If, if Austin wanted to come back, like I said, either SummerSlam or next year, they've already kind of planted the seeds. I wouldn't want to disrupt what's going on now. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if that's the case or not. I think, ultimately, if I... I'm not going to put money on it, but if I did have to put money on it, my answer is Steve Austin does not work WrestleMania 40. I think he could be a part of the show and pop up, maybe. That's a possibility. I don't think he works a match on the show. I don't think the... I think it's fairly say. I think it's fairly safe to say The Rock is not coming back either, right, for that show? Or do you think he could? I would say no. You don't think we're getting him finishing the story instead? He's going to change his mind in between January and February? No. I, I don't think the match is ever happening at this point. Um, that was a great segment on Raw. I also really like the Drew McIntyre Jay Uso match. Jay Uso loses again. Um, but, you know, listen, he, he's super over and he looked good enough in defeat, which I know we joke about a lot, but he, I mean, it almost doesn't even matter with Jay Uso. He does need to rack up wins eventually. I would say he would need to if he was going for a championship again. I mean, he did last week. And he was still losing prior to that. But like, what did he do to earn an opportunity at that World Heavyweight Championship? The answer is nothing. At least with Drew, they're kind of pushing towards that direction of him getting another opportunity. He beat Jay this week. He beat Sami Zayn last week. He's got some wins under his belt. So it's not completely random that he's challenging for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, first on the Jay Uso front, Yeet is back. I'm sure you're happy about that. So excited. He just came out and made that pretty clear in his promo that Yeet has... Uh, been reinstated. I would assume they came to some sort of a, you know, uh, agreement with the person who had the trademark, I would imagine. I know it was uh, abandoned in 2022 by the person, or they didn't renew it, or whatever the case might have been. WWE worked their magic and secured... I mean, that should have never happened in the first place, but they eventually secured the rights to the uh, trademark, and now we could say yeet and put it on t-shirts and shit like that. Uh, on the Drew front, Drew is challenging, like I said, Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship, not at the Royal Rumble, and he probably will at the Rumble, but it was announced for the day one edition of Monday Night Raw on January 1st, so they're doing the match first on that show, um, and then maybe running it back at the Rumble. Uh, I'm looking forward to what they're doing with Drew and Rollins, because I feel like I say it every week, and I hate to sound like a broken record, the stuff they're doing with McIntyre right now, and, and, and Rollins kind of by proxy has been excellent. The character work is great. The promos make a lot of sense. His execution of the promos and the character development has been awesome. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to say this right now when I was thinking about it. Bold, not bold prediction, but a bold thought. I think there's a possibility or a way that you could put the belt on McIntyre at the day one edition of Raw and then have him lose it right back to Rollins at the Royal Rumble just to break up the monotony of Rollins always winning. I don't think Rollins needs to be champion for a year straight to break any... I mean, he's the fucking inaugural champion. He's not breaking any records by holding the championship for a year. 
I honestly think he could win the championship on that day one edition of Raw and then lose it right back to Rollins at the Royal Rumble. I mean, they did it all the time in the Attitude Era. They didn't make it right. But I, I think if you do a hot potato title change once in a while, it could work. It would reward McIntyre for all the stuff that he's done in the past three years. He can win a world championship in front of fans, albeit as a heel, and then lose it right back to Rollins to set up Punk and Rollins for... Uh, uh, for WrestleMania, because I feel like it's so obvious right now that we're getting Punk and Rollins that people know that he's going to beat Drew on the day one edition of Raw. What I'm expecting is a DQ finish or a countout or whatever to set up a rematch of the Rumble. But what I would like to see is Drew actually beating Seth to set up another match of the Rumble, and he gets like a three-week reign as World Heavyweight Championship, as, as World Heavyweight Champion. Yay or nay, are you a fan of that, or do you think it's completely dumb? No, I, I don't mind that. Like I said, I feel like getting the belt off Seth would be nice. It's been so... Like I said, I just... I feel like Drew also deserves Like, if Drew doesn't win, it's like, then what? Like, I feel like he's kind of, like, in a holding path. Like, honestly, you really don't know what the direction they're going to go with him anyway. So, like you said, even if he holds the belt for a little bit, he's not going to hold it for a while. And I, at that point, I really don't know what you do with him. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. I think so. I, don't, I actually don't mind that idea. Like, to so get off Rollins for a little bit, Drew gets rewarded, and then we move on right to Rollins and Punk. But, like you said, I feel like, what you kind of propose of like him getting DQ'd or something that will lead to the rematch and then he'll just lose. I don't know when he's coming back, but I mean, I don't, I didn't really know what Drew would be doing at WrestleMania, but Sami Zayn, McIntyre took him out of uh, commission last week on Raw backstage. Now we read the report soon after Sami Zayn requested time off. He was granted it, which is for the best. They don't have anything for him going on right now on Raw heading into the Royal Rumble match. He might reappear in the Rumble match itself. He might cost McIntyre the World Heavyweight Championship. I don't know. Probably not. He might be off for a little bit longer than two or three weeks. Um, I think that's the Mania match there. I think you can do McIntyre and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania, and that's where Sami Zayn finally gets a win over Drew. It gives them something to do. Because if they're not doing that, I'm not really sure what else they do at WrestleMania unless they're involved in some sort of multi-man match for the Intercontinental Championship, which I would not do. Yeah, no, that works for me. I think that would make a perfect addition to the WrestleMania card. Um, also from Raw on Monday night, they set up a lot of different stuff. Two different tag team title matches for next week's show. Katana Chance, Gaten Carter challenging for the women's tag team titles against Chelsea Green, Piper Nevin. Do you think this is where Chance and Carter finally take the titles, or do Chelsea Green and Piper Nevin retain again? I think the Chance and Carter need to win the belts. They've been pushing them a lot. They've got a couple of vignettes. Dog, it's time. What about the uh, undisputed WWE tag team titles? We had... Uh, the Judgment Day in the Ring this week with the R-Truth segment, and I actually really enjoy that. What they're doing with Truth, I think, is actually great since he's been back at Survivor Series pretending to be a member of the Judgment Day. Um, it's going to be Finn Balor and Damian Priest defending the belts against the Creed Brothers next week. Again, do we get a title change or do Finn Balor and Damian Priest hold on to the gold? Um, that's a tougher one. I feel like they should lose the belts. I feel like the Creed Brothers just keep their momentum going. But it, I, like I said, I don't think it's also like, detrimental if they lose here. I'll say Finn and Damian hold on to them. I was thinking a title change, but since they're doing two tag title title or two tag title matches on the same show next week, I don't think it's all that likely that both belts change hands. I do think we get new women's tag team champions. I don't think we get a uh, new men's tag team champions. The Creed brothers so far have been very impressive. They've not they haven't gotten over to a great extent, but they're on the show every week. They've been impressive. Uh, they laid out the entire Judgment Day in this segment. Uh, they're very good. I, I, do you think there's anything to the fact that they came out to help Cody Rhodes on Monday's Raw? Like, do you think that's? I thought that was just so random because we haven't seen them interact with the Creeds yet. Like the Creeds interact with Cody Rhodes. Um, maybe it's leading to some sort of a six man with them. I thought that was just random. 
He was random. What about Cody Rhodes and Nakamura? What were your thoughts on that main event? That was a good match. Didn't love the finish, like the DQ with the mask. Like I, I don't know. I just feel like they've done it all the time. Like people have done it in plain sight and never got DQ. I just feel like it was such a Cody way to like gets disqualified. Like I mean, I guess like they're not always paying attention, but I don't know. It felt like it just felt off. I thought it was fine. I, I mean, I don't think they've ever done it in plain sight and have they just let it go. I don't think. There's a reason why when they do the spray and they just roll up the person, like whether it be an Asuka or an, not Nakamura, but when other people have done it, specifically in WWE, they roll up the person so the referee doesn't see that the face has been misted. Now, when they see their face was misted after the fact, they don't reverse the count or they don't like restart the match, and then that's dumb, sure. Uh, but I guess what they don't see doesn't go or whatever the case might be. But I, I thought it was fine. I thought it would have been dumber had he sprayed him in the face and then they just let it go because that would have just been ridiculous. Um, but you had to know they weren't going to do a clean finish here. I thought they had a good match. Cody Rhodes winning by DQ, giving Nakamura kind of the upper hand for the week, keeping him busy heading into Royal Rumble season. I think what they've done with Nakamura, I've said it a lot, but I'll say it again, has been excellent. Um, I thought those anime vignettes they did for him earlier in the show on this show were great. And, uh, I mean, he's just a placeholder at this point for Cody Rhodes. I get it. He's not winning the world championship. But I think it's a lot better than what he's been doing for the past probably five or six years, if we're being honest. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't know where it's really going to end. I feel like it's kind of more building up someone for Cody in the interim. But, I mean, I'm interested to see, like, how they actually, like, flush it out. Yeah. And then one last thing from Raw that I forgot. In Cleveland, you had Miz and DIY go over Imperium. I thought this was actually really well done. Where they had Miz as the big mystery partner for DIY, no shit. Um, but they were in Cleveland. He got a great reaction. I don't know if this cements the Miz babyface turn or if it was just a one night thing. They have set up Miz and Gunter one more time for the Intercontinental Championship, and if Gunter wins, Miz can no longer challenge for the championship as long as Gunter is champion. I think Gunter retains, but they're raising the stakes, and I like that because I like the match at Survivor Series. I feel like a rematch could be even better. And uh, the way that they set it up with the Cleveland stuff, like I said on Monday, with the crowd behind. Not only Miz, but DIY as well, I thought was very smart. No, I thought it was good. Like I said, I thought this was a really good match. I like pretty much all six guys in it, so I thought it was good. Good match. Let's talk a little bit about AEW here before we wind down. The Winter's Coming Edition of Dynamite from Wednesday night. If you don't like pure wrestling, then you probably didn't like this show because it was nothing but wrestling. Uh, but we got to talk about something that we're, that wasn't wrestling-related, uh, that being the opening segment before we got into Samoa Joe versus Hangman Page. Joe was out there being interrupted by Hangman and Roderick Strong, talking about who the devil is, who's under the mask. I think it's pretty safe to say at this point that it is under the masks of the devil, the devil masks, that it is Wardlow, Roderick Strong, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and then who the ultimate devil is, I think is up for debate. Hangman got attacked at the end of the show, so I don't think it's him, unless they are going to pull the Bully Ray explanation from... uh, Aces and Eights 10 years ago where he got attacked by Aces and Eights and he was like, oh, I did that on purpose. That shit was just so fucking stupid. I think it's just because they didn't know at that point that he was going to be the leader. So I don't think they do that. That would just be convoluted as fuck. I wouldn't put it past him, but I don't think it's likely. Um, I don't think it's Hangman. I think it's probably either Adam Cole or... um, I mean, I know we still hurt. It's either Adam Cole or Jack Perry. I know they're really laying it on thick now with the Jack Perry like, oh... We put him through the glass again on the car, and they're really like, for those insider people that know what that is, if you know, you know. I just feel like that would be a letdown. The Adam Cole thing would be cool, but I don't think it's Joe, and I don't think it's Hangman. So any updated predictions for who you think might be behind the devil mask? And hopefully we find out at World's End, because this has been going on for months now. Yeah, I mean, it's different. I don't know. It's, it's going to be 
because I feel like it's, I don't know, honestly, I don't really care at the end of the day. But, yeah, I know, yeah. I mean, when you say it's those people, honestly, I've heard people say it's like the people at Pinnacle are under the mask. So Wardlow, Dax, and Cash, and Sean Spears. I mean. With MJF or not MJF? I don't know. That's the thing. I think with MJF under the mask, makes that would be That would be sense. stupid. That would be very dumb, yeah. So, but, yeah, I, I honestly have no, I feel like, Adam Cole makes the most sense, but I just don't think it's him. So, you know, I, I think he's legit really hurt. Just, I think he's, he's actually hurt. hurt, yeah. I don't know. People, I, don't know. I honestly don't know. I feel like it's going to be, I, I'm scared, I feel like I'm going to be let down regardless, so. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of these whodunit bullshit that we've seen in WWE and AEW especially doesn't really end up being overly eventful, like with the, uh, the firm that we were oh so fondly reminded of by Kenny Omega on this show when they revealed the firm back at All Out last year. That was a bust. That lasted all of two months. That was a fucking shit show. Um, you know, I don't know if that's going to end up being as bad as that. I mean, they've really dedicated a lot of television time to this. It's got to be worth it. I, I do think it's Wardlow, Roddy, Taven, and Bennett behind the the other masks. The ultimate leader really is the question. I think it's, I mean, Cole would be the perfect person, I think. But he would have to not be hurt because what what are you gonna do? Have MJF chase Cole for the next six months? I mean, I guess, but I don't know. I mean, he might be actually hurt too. He might be out for a while, so I don't know. I'm not really sure. But Hangman Page ended up beating Roderick Strong. Um, the Roddy screaming thing has got to go. I mean, he's been entertaining overall this year, but like we've talked about it before, the shtick has got to fucking they got to tweak it or something. I mean, it's just it's just not getting any better. Um, but in the Continental Classic matches, we got a lot of those on this show. Three Gold League matches and one Blue League match, which has largely been relegated to collision since it started back in late November. But Andrade El Idolo knocking off Brody King in a Blue League matchup. And then in the Gold League on the show, Roosh beating Jay Lethal, Jay White beating Mark Briscoe, and John Moxley beating Swerve Strickland. So for the Blue League, I think Andrade is currently leading with nine points, if I'm not mistaken. And then in the Gold League... It's John Moxley with 12 points, Swerve with 9, Jay has 9, I think, and Roosh, 1 here. I think he might have 9 as well, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and look at the rankings. Uh, so where do you think this leads? I mean, obviously, Jay and Mark aren't winning. Roosh isn't winning either, I don't think, at this point. Um, but as far as who's winning the Continental Classic, they're making it a bit more unpredictable than we originally expected. I still think Danielson and Swerve will go on to face each other in the finals, but do you have any updated predictions after what we've seen in the last couple of weeks? Like you said, the problem is I don't know the rankings. I just, yeah, I don't know who is who. I know Andrade's undefeated. I know that for a fact. Um, let me pull up the website. I think, no, I think Andrade lost to someone, right? No, I could have sworn the city's undefeated. Hmm, let me, let me... Nine, he has nine points. Has he won three matches or f- three out of the four? He beat Danielson. Brody King and Daniel Garcia. Okay, so he hasn't had... Who has he not faced so far? Um, Claudio and Eddie Kingston. He hasn't had those matches? I mean, I guess not. Okay, I thought we already saw those matches. Hmm, interesting. Okay, so he's undefeated with nine points. Do you think Andrade is somehow advancing to the finals or no? Um, I mean, I think he'd beat Claudio and I think he'd beat Eddie Kingston, I assume. Um... I mean, they're like basically the Mark and Jay Lethal of their group. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like this point it's I feel like it's Andrade. I feel like he's gonna face Moxley at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, if it's Moxley. So what do you do with Swerve? The thing is, like, it's, so it's J- realistically, Jay, knowing them, they'd do this because it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> what? So Swerve has to face Roosh, who I think he'll beat, and then Moxley has to face Jay White. I mean... If so Moxley wins, on, then Moxley's winning. Then they'd all have 12 points is the thing. Who, if, uh, if Jay White beats Moxley? If Jay White beats Moxley and Swerve beats Roosh, and they all have 12 points. And they could do a triple... I mean, I don't know. I would say they could do a triple threat to determine who would advance of the three of them, and that would be cool. But I think... Hmm. I don't think they would do that, because I think one of the rules is that whoever... There's some sort of dumb rule where they established yesterday I'd seen. I don't remember exactly what it is. But, like, the latest person to tie would actually advance and not who already had 12 points? I don't know if that's accurate. It's, it's very confusing. I mean, the overall... The thing is very confusing is the problem. I mean, it, it, it's around Robin Tournament, which I understand. I mean, I, I understand the general rules of that, but as far as who ultimately advances from that bracket if they're all tied, they did establish last night what would happen if that was the case. I would just do a triple threat, and honestly... Swerve being mad that Moxley beat him. I would have Jay White win that. I mean, I don't think they're going to do this. I would have Jay White advance of the three of them. And then Swerve and Moxley can have another match at the pay-per-view because Swerve's pissed that Moxley beat him. I mean, that's what I would do personally. So you'd have Jay White face Andrade in the finals. Yeah, or Danielson. I mean, Danielson could also advance as well. Danielson and Jay White would be sick. I don't think Danielson wins. Um, I don't know. Of the two of them, I would probably... Jay White already lost the AW World Championship match, so it's not like he's winning that world title anytime soon. If you give him the Ring of Honor title and the New Japan thing and the Triple Crown bullshit, whatever it is, honestly, whatever. It gives him something to do. He's obviously better than that, but he ain't going for the world title again anytime soon, I don't think, so why not? It's better than Swerve holding it. I love Swerve, but Swerve should be in the main event picture at this point. I think that's uh, pretty academic. No, yeah, I feel like at this point, looking at the brackets, I feel like either him and Moxley make the most sense to win it. Jay White, that is. They're keeping us on our toes. I will give them credit for that. The wrestling's been great, too. So they don't have a lot of other storylines going on right now. I think they only have all of three matches advertised for World's End in two weeks, so they got to kind of have to hurry up the process on that. I know we're probably getting Tony Storm and um, Riho for the world cha- for the Women's World Championship. <laughs> Riho beat uh, Ruby Soho last night. Riho, they dust off every six months. They bring her back. She gets a title shot. She loses, and it's back in the uh, back on the shelf with her. I mean, I'm sure the match will be good. So, you know, there's that. I think Riho beat Tony Storm on Dynamite many many months ago because I remember thinking, what was the point of that? So maybe that's her way of uh, avenging the loss. I don't know. So. That'll probably be a good match. We do got to talk about this real quick before I let you go from Dynamite last night. This was just... So I watched the show and I liked the show overall because there was a lot of good wrestling. But that fucking segment, dude, with Jericho, Omega, Starks, and Big Bill was just terrible. I mean, that was one of the worst things I've seen on this show in quite some time. If their job was to leave you looking forward to that tag team title match at World's End, they failed miserably. I mean, I think the match itself on paper sells itself. Jericho and Omega versus Starks again. Cool. Like, that sounds like a good match. Big Bill's also very good. This talking segment sucked. I mean, I don't know what's going on, man. I know AEW's big, you know, one of their biggest pros early on was the fact that they don't have scripted promos. They need to either script Jericho or they need to take the Jericho. They need to take the mic away from Jericho. I mean, I like Jericho. I, I, I made that clear. But what he's done at AEW, in re, as of recent years, has been fucking terrible overall. And as I've said in a tweet last night, I couldn't remember the last time that he cut a compelling promo that wasn't this 
big Billy Starks bullshit, like the end zone. Like, what, is, what are we watching here? I mean, then Kenny Omega showing up like he just got done with a workout. Like, it was just random. Dude. I don't know. That segment was terrible. <laughs> the whole, when they brought up Enzo, I lost it. Seriously, I tweeted, but like, what is? The, how does that even make any sense? Oh, because he teamed with Big Bill? Like, there's not even remotely a comparison between Enzo. What was it? Or less charismatic Enzo. Let's not bring up that clown. That guy's terrible. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> Dude, that was bad. I'm thinking this sucks. Jericho, I don't know. I know back in the day he would cut cringy promos on purpose. I'm talking like uh, <clears throat> like five, six years ago. In WWE when he was doing the uh, Rudy Tootie Bootios or whatever that... Fu- oh, God, that shit was Rudy, terrible, Rudy, too. Rudy Booty. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like yeah. That, it was short-lived, but he did it on purpose. He did it on purpose. He, he, he tries to act like he's better and smarter than a lot of people, which, to a certain extent, I understand. And at that point, it was smart because he wanted people to turn against him because he knew it was bad. He was going heel at some point. Cool. He's not going heel, dude. He just turned babyface. He's not going heel. So it's just a bad promo. Like, he, I think he thought that it was a real gotcha moment when he said, oh, you're Enzo Amore. Oh, shit. Like, no, it wasn't an oh, shit moment. It was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> no, I know. I don't know. This whole Kenny Omega Jericho thing is just so random anyways. Dude, they need to end this team. It's not like they work, they don't work well together, but it's an absolute criminal waste of Kenny Omega. Jericho, if they want to waste him in the tag team division, go right ahead. Kenny Omega should not be dragged into this bullshit. And by the way, what the fuck happened to Kanosuke Takashi? Did he not beat Omega a couple of months ago? What happened to that? What happened to fucking Doll Boy, fucking Koda? He got signed. Haven't seen him. Haven't seen him, but he got signed. I don't know. I mean, he, I think he's still living in Japan, so I don't know. They don't really have much for him to do, and that's okay. But Takeshka beat Kenny Omega, dude. How do you not capitalize off that? Instead, he's working Rampage with Hobbs against random-ass tag teams. <laughs> dude I mean not to shit on the product completely cause like I said I'm enjoying a lot of the stuff they're doing with the matches but like we gotta call a spade a spade here that shit is just terrible I mean that makes no sense I honestly foolishly thought I'm an idiot I thought okay we got that 4 on 4 street fight garbage match before uh, full gear a month ago on Dynamite okay you know the baby faces win this with Paul White who had no business being in the ring but whatever even being in action on that show and then, okay, as a result of this, they'll set up Omega and Takeshka for World's End. They never did it. It's like the new Keith Lee versus Swerve Strickland. I don't know if we're ever... <laughs> I mean, at least we got Omega and Takeshka. We never got Keith Lee and Swerve once in w, in, uh, in AEW. We already got Omega losing to Kanosuke. But I, I thought we would get a rematch to finish off that feud. Don Callis never got his comeuppance in the hands of Kenny Omega. Neither did Jericho giving Don... I mean, it's, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I'm just kind of done with this whole thing. It just seems they're not going to win the tag titles. They shouldn't win the tag titles. As people said on Twitter last night, they need to get Kenny Omega as far away from Jericho as humanly possible. This team, the promos last night were embarrassing. It was embarrassingly bad. No, I agree. Uh, Hopefully we'll have uh, better things to report on from AEW next week. Like I said, I'm enjoying the matches. I don't want to completely sound like I hated the show. I actually really liked the show last night, but I got to mention that segment just sucked. Um, Hopefully it's better next week. We have the uh, World's End pay-per-view coming up in a couple of weeks at the end of the month. So we have that to look forward to as well. We'll preview that on our uh, final show of 2023 as we review the results from the 2023 WWE AEW Year in Review Awards. If you haven't already, I know you already have, Mr. Marceau, but everyone else can vote right now over at WrestleRant.com for the Match of the Year, Feud of the Year, Women's Wrestler of the Year, Men's Wrestler of the Year, and so much more. Ten categories, I believe, this year. 
Don't miss out. Vote right now over at WrestleRant.com. We'll be back next week with more talk from WWE and AEW. New episodes every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Have a great one, Mr. Marcel. I'll catch up with you next week. See you later, man. Enjoy Walk on Friday. You can know how it is. I can't wait. <laughs> I'll see you, brother. Talk to you soon. Later. Join Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau every Thursday as they run down their weekly wrestling rants, offer expert analysis, host exclusive interviews, and more. Subscribe today on all your favorite podcast platforms and never miss an episode of Wrestle Rant Radio. Wrestle Rant Radio.